Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is Forrest and the Prepping Academy. We've got Uncle Buck and Jonathan Hollerman, special guest, Jonathan Hollerman tonight. He's in the house. And you know what? That song, every time I just kind of want to dance. And then I think people are watching me and maybe I probably shouldn't dance to the tune. But hey, welcome. What a special night tonight. I've got, you know, Uncle Buck's always, uh, he's my host here, my co-host with the most. Hello, hello. Yeah. And we got special guests. We're just going to start off with Jonathan Hollerman. We we're not going to put him in the green room, bring him up. We're just going to go. He just um, has released a book. We're going to be talking about that. And I've read the uh, entire book. I read it in a whole weekend. Um, I had to, um, that was, um, and I had to read it on an electronic device too, which that's hard to do. You ever, you ever read like that book? Um, no. no, no, it's, no. it's difficult. <laughs> it's the good news is you can highlight, right? You could do the highlight and then, then have it read read back to you. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like kind of like an audiobook. Yeah. So Jonathan Hollerman, we thank you so much for coming on. You just released your new book. I looked at the sales from the PrepperNet and that I mean it is kicking. I mean, I've released it out to everyone. I posted it, sent emails out to everyone. And this, I, you know, right now I'm counting about 1.6 million copies have been sold. So, um, no, no, not that, <laughs> not that many. Hey, but welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for the email blast here over the weekend. It was great. Uh, watch the book get up to to number one in my secondary genres, and it got up to number two in survival preparedness on Amazon. So, uh, couldn't quite get that number one spot. Was pretty frustrated, but uh, uh, it'll get there eventually. So absolutely it will. Um, I, I know I would say PrepperNet, your first survival one, um, not survival one, um, survival theory, your first book, one of our groups, I know themselves bought 60 of them and you're familiar with that group cause you're working with that group now cause they're going through your second book. So we've, we've purchased a lot of books through you. I mean, but it's, it was, it's in my top five of all time best books in the survival genre, prepping genre. It's top five, your first one. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's, uh, the first one had that, that was a number one bestseller there for about two or three months. This one's going to be, um, one, I, I, I it was, a, it was a decent chunk of time between releases. I think I had like four years here between Survival Theory 1 and Survival Theory 2. And Survival Theory 2 is definitely a lot. It's a much heavier read. I believe it's the most important book that I've ever written that people need to read. 
but it's also the the content, which we'll get into here in a bit, is 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 a little bit more heavy. Well, I want to thank you for serving. I want to get that out before we're all three of us are are veterans, which is pretty awesome. Um, but thank you for serving. And you want to tell us a little bit about your your background? Sure. So yeah, uh, as a young buck, I was a I was in the United States Air Force. I was a SEER specialist, SEER instructor. SEER stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. Uh, essentially, our job was to train uh, pilots, air crew, and you know some special operations guys how to survive if they got shot down behind enemy lines, how to evade capture, and then uh, if they were captured, we taught them anti-interrogation techniques and how to escape capture. So that was my military career, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, see survival that that correlates one to one over to prepping," uh, and it does to it does to a degree because it's always given me a mindset of preparedness and survival and the survival instinct and the survival mindset and the survival skill set also in, in the in the backwoods but the biggest thing i took from seer school was uh starvation was hunger uh our first trip was in the mountains of washington state in january there's six feet of snow on the ground i think the warmest day was like five degrees for 23 days uh they gave a a goat and a box of a small box of vegetables for eight guys and we we went through that in like a week and a half, right? And it was, uh, I, I mean, it was extreme. The the psychological impact of starving, like literally your body eating itself. I lost. I, I mean, I was in peak physical, physical, literally half the man I am today. Uh, physical shape, no body fat, and I lost like fifteen pounds on that trip. Mm-hmm. It was uh, by the end of that trip. I tell a story in survival theory too, like it's just kind of a personal thing. Like by the end, we all had our write in the write in the rain tablets that we would take notes on in training, and every single person, the last two pages, we had lists of food that we were going to get when we got back to base, and we and that's all we talked about. That was literally the only topic of conversation was food. Uh, you we would sit around the campfire at night and literally fantasize about food and and oh, oh bacon bacon pizza and you would scratch something off and you would put that in there and uh, I mean, peanut peanut m&ms you know and we would just go back and forth compare notes and then you know that first night back to base i remember you know getting those uh two large uh bacon and bacon and pepperoni pizzas from domino's and and a, like a one pound bag of m&ms and two liter coke and eating till I threw up, and then eating till I threw up multiple, <laughs> multiple times in one night. It was it was pretty, pretty crazy. So that that made a big impact, like the starvation side of it. Um, yeah, and so later later on in my career here, the last probably seven or eight years, I've kind of made that a lot of my focus. I've done uh, a ton. I mean, I've read dozens of books on all kinds of biblical fa- sized famines throughout the centuries, the Holomador, the Chinese famine, uh, the, the Warsaw ghettos and the Holocaust, uh, the Bengal famine, uh, Bosnia. I've got, I've got a whole row of books back here just on starvation. Uh, the Loose Perfect by Philip Zimbardo, which mm-hmm. is a book on how good people can do evil. That's a high, highly recommend people need to understand that book as well. Uh, so when you add in all these factors uh, on starvation, that was kind of my niche and my expertise. And that's kind of how I was brought into a lot of these organizations I'm in now. Can, can you talk a little bit up, you know, as far as moving into uh, these, these companies now, like kind of, what is it, who engages you? And then what do you, what do you typically talk about? I mean, we talked a little bit about starvation, but there's, 
the trigger which causes the starvation, right? The, um, like a EMP type type event. But can you talk a little bit more about these companies and, and, and what you actually provide for service? Oh, sure. So my personal company is Grid Down Consulting. Uh, you can find me at griddownconsulting.com. Uh, so for the last 10 years, I have worked with high net worth and super high net worth clients and uh, help them analyze existing family survival retreats. Uh, so I've done over 500 uh, since I've since I've started my company. I don't think anybody in the, the country or the world's done more than than I have to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I've built uh, a couple dozen survival retreats from the ground up. Worked with different clients, varying sizes. Some you know five six hundred thousand, some multi multi million dollar locations. So my my primary business though is analyzing existing retreats. Uh, so I've been all over the country, all over the world, uh, looking at existing survival retreats, seeing how people do things, making recommendations on off-grid power, security, uh, things of that nature. So that's my personal company, griddownconsulting.com. Uh, with that said, based off survival theory, success, and kind of my experience doing that, uh, man, it would have been five years, six years ago now, maybe, uh, the first Electromagnetic Defense Task Force, which is an uh, which is a wargaming operation. It's a joint services wargaming operations at Dot LeMay Wargaming Institute uh, in uh, Louisiana there. And uh, General Cross and, and Major Stockenberg, who were running that operation in 2019, they invited me to uh, come and participate. And it was, it was a very eye-opening experience um, to I, I knew the government and the military was not prepared for a nationwide grid down event, but it was extraordinary to the level of not ready, like literally nothing. There's and it's still that way today. To this day, there's no military plan, there's no government plan for a long term grid down event in this country. No, nothing at FEMA. The DHS has no plan, and it's just it's it's very very. It was very, very eye-opening and concerning, right, uh, to sit with 300 people from every alphabet agency, uh, secret agencies. They were, you know, TS2-level meetings that were held there. Uh, some I wasn't privy to those, but uh, it was it was very frustrating. And then from there, I got involved with uh, Tommy Waller over at the Center for Security Policy. Mm -hmm. uh, spent a couple of years uh, with Impact America on the Board of Advisors and uh, recently, I've taken a position as deputy director of the U.S. Task Force on National and Homeland Security. So uh, all these movements uh, are geared towards warning Congress and warning states that they need to take grid resiliency serious, grid hardening serious. Uh, it's America's Achilles heel. And if we lose the national electric grid through cyber, through physical attack, uh, EMP or solar flare, it's lights out permanently. Uh, it's an end of civilization event. Ninety percent of Americans are going to die. So, right now, I can't. For for twenty years, the Congressional EMP Commission has been trying to get Congress to to spend the money, and we can get into the nuts and bolts if you want to. But it's a very complicated issue. There's no regulation. There's no regulatory authority over the electric utilities. They're the Wild West. They write their own security standards. They break their own security standards. Uh, when they do so, they're required to turn themselves in. They turn themselves into their own industry. Their own industry sets the fine. They pay the fine back into their own industry coffers. Uh, and then the, the civilian population through FOIA is not allowed to find out who's breaking what security standards. Mm. We don't even know how well they're being enforced. Uh, so it's it's a – and then so you have NERC, which is the uh, North American Energy Reliability uh, Corporation, who oversees all of the industry and the standards and 
critical infrastructure standards and things like that. And then you have the federal department, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, but they have no legislative authority. They tell NERC all the time, hey, you guys need to do this. You need to, you need to fix this. This is a vulnerability. And NERC can just be like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll take care of that. And they, they, they never do. So, And then we find out that, like, I think three of the four FERC commissioners right now all are lawyers that came from NERC in the electric utility. Mm. The electric utility lobby mm. is embedded in DHS. They're embedded in the DOE. It's a revolving door between industry and the government. So every time we get a bill up there in Congress to try and get it passed, it gets it, it just gets crushed. Uh, the utility lobby, they've spent over one point two billion dollars lobbying just the federal level the last 10 years. They're fighting tooth and nail. They do not want regulated. And uh, it's it's a very tough situation. And so we need more people to kind of get involved and help uh, bring awareness to this movement. And I know I'm talking for a second, but I would highly recommend everybody uh, go out and check out Grid Down Power Up documentary by David Tice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a little over an hour long. It's gr- it's a great icebreaker to to break your relatives into this subject, and it lays out the threat. It's narrated by Dennis Quaid, and then he has a great take action page at the back end of his website on how to get involved and how to you know pressure your congressman and congresswoman to to, to take this threat seriously. Hey, let's take a quick break. Has your data been hacked? Do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online? Were you involved in the Target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered from fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques. We're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at PrepperNet.com privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar. Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. Sign up now at PrepperNet.com privacy. We'll see you there. So I want to back up just a little bit. We're going to go into more of what you just said for sure. So, um, I mean, what... I want to know a little bit more about you before we get into all that, because we're going to go there. We're going to go deep. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell everybody how I gained five pounds by reading your book. Um, (laughs) So, but so you in the military, how did you get the prepper mindset? Was that before military, during military? And then when you got the mindset of survival, meaning surviving you and your family, um, how did you get involved into, cause I mean, when you grad, when you, when you, you know, lead the military, you just don't go into the EMP commission and start, you know, socializing with, you know, Dr. Pry and all these, these big time thinkers and, oh, and the former CIA director and all this, but you went from somehow, a little country boy, I can imagine, I'm not sure where you're from, <laughs> through, through the military, and then all of a sudden you are with, you know, the CIA director, you're with, um, you know, uh, 
Dr. Pry, all these very high-level thinkers. How did that entire transaction happen? Sure. So, yeah, out of the military, you know, this uh, – I, I wouldn't say I had a prepping mindset. Um, in order to have a prepping mindset, you have to have a reason to prepare. Mm-hmm. If anybody's storing up food and water in their basement for no reason, they're kind of crazy, Right. So uh, there was a period of time there. I, I, you know, I started a business. I had a, a company flipping houses, and I, I owned a couple of businesses during that time period. Uh, but then I uh, read a book called One Second After. I think this was back around 2006, if I remember correctly. It's right when it first came out, William Fortune. If you haven't read it, great book, uh, by the way. Um, and it was, it was a really fascinating book. And I'm like, EMP, what the heck's an EMP? And just the analytical type person that I am, I had to dig and I went and I read every EMP commission report. I read everything I could buy, put my hands on and realized that this wasn't no some like sci-fi magic thing. This is real. This is a very, it, it's America's number one threat to this country. It's America's Achilles heel. And nobody was really talking about it. And to my opinion, nobody understood it. Because then I started reading other kind of e- what I what you would call EMP fiction books. And um, I grew very frustrated because a lot of the people that were writing EMP fiction, uh, they grew up in the richest country in the world. They never started a day in their life. They didn't mm. understand the, the, the stories they were writing based around, you know, a year without electricity in this country or longer. Uh, they just didn't jive with my experience with hunger, right? And my experience with starvation and 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 right. putting people in that environment, right? Uh, so what I did was I essentially said, you know what? I'm going to write my own book, okay? Now, this is a kid that hates English, right? I mean, I, I got a college degree, but I, I, like, when I hand my book into my editor, like, I know she cries every time I get rid of my book. <laughs> Like, um, I think know, we're a lot alike there. Okay. So I, I, I wrote the first book, um, EMP equipping modern Patriots. Right. And, uh, that's a fiction book. It's, it was kind of laid out with some of my plans at the time and, and some of the things that I was working on and, and changed names and places and things like that. But, um, so I wrote that book thinking I'd sell 10 or 20 copies to my military buddies or, you know, somebody, you know, in there would buy. And, and, you know, when I, when I, published it i self-published uh and i sold like i started to sell like 10 15 copies a day i was like hey, you know that's that's pretty good you know that's pretty cool you know and i went to hunting camp for for a week and a half so it was around hunting season i went to hunting camp didn't have internet kind of off grid and towards the end there i think we went to a restaurant or something i pulled it up and i was selling like 150 copies a day and then it just kept going up and up and up and it ended up becoming a uh, a bestseller in post-apocalyptic and dystopian and genre and a couple others. So that that book really, to be honest with you, put me on the map. And I, it's not because of my writing prowess. I am no, you know, I am no Stephen Shakespeare. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just um, it's just a matter. Of, I think people resonated with uh, the, the ideas that I was putting in the book. Okay. So that kind of put me on the map, man. That was 2007, 2008, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but it was a while back. It was 10, 15 years ago. So that put me on the map, and that started leading me. I started getting people reaching out to me, saying, "Hey, can you help me uh, prepare? Can you help me do this?" And it, and it kind of grew where I was just like helping by word of mouth here and there. And then eventually, I started Grid Down Consulting about a decade ago, and then it just took off from there. And it's, 
you know, I've written three books in that fiction series now. And then Survival Theory 1, which was six or seven years ago, when that hit, that really boosted my business. And it kind of took it to the level where I was flying all the time. I was gone all the time. And, you know, how all these construction projects going. And uh, I'm only one guy. So it was it was kind of tough on the, the the family life there for a short time. And I decided to kind of take a step back from that. So now I only work with about eight or nine clients at a time. I there I only really work with you know clients that have the money to really you know pay for the things that need to be done because uh and that's why I write survival theory wanted to to kind of help people that are on a budget or can't afford a multi-million dollar retreat the poor people kind of give them options you know <laughs> the poor people that's the ones uh, I work with normal people yeah okay the normal that's the ones I work with <laughs> And thanks for giving me the because everything's a you mean I got to buy a gun too. <laughs> <laughs> so can you can you go a little bit into an EMP and describe describe the nature of an EMP and I think even in the book it goes by and I'm probably saying the right words but like levels like an E1 an E2 or an E3 what is that what are those and then like what is that what does that do? What are the ramifications of an E1 versus an E2 versus an E3 uh, EMP? Okay. Sure. So E2 is similar to your standard lightning. So, I mean, most houses, E2 is not going to affect a whole lot because most stuff has lightning protection or uh, your home has lightning protection. So we're primarily going to focus on E1 and e, E3. Okay. So uh, when an EMP, which is a, a nuclear weapon, and I'll, I'll, I'll discuss a super EMP because that's what most of our enemy nations have today we've known about the effects of nuclear emp detonated in the atmosphere since like 1981 and a lot of people really hold the, the mill standard 188-125 they wave that around say i'm protected to this well they don't realize that th those standards are 45 years old now and uh they've military has changed and increased those standards based on new information in the 2000s we know that russia and china and north korea all have super emp uh, weapons, which are actually smaller nuclear weapons, but they're more focused and they're more, more directed uh, gamma radiation back down to Earth. So it's detonated around 300 kilometers over the center of the country. They can be launched from a shipping container off the Gulf of Mexico, from a submarine. There's multiple ways. Uh, you can put it up. You could put a, uh, if you were able to sneak a nuclear weapon in through the, the ports or through the coast somehow, you could put it on a a weather balloon that you buy off Amazon, put a turkey timer on it and, and detonate it that way. I mean, it, it, it's not high tech. So a lot of people think that it's not a serious threat because, you know, we'll see North Korea launch it and it'll take four minutes to get here and we'll shoot it out of the sky. That's that's not how it's going to happen. It's going to happen from the Gulf of Mexico and there's no missile defenses to stop it uh, if somebody decided to do this to our country. So, uh, well, well, thanks for telling them. So, <laughs> oh, they know it. Oh, okay. Uh, I have uh, Dr. Peter Pry has. A, there's a book down here from the EMP Commission. In 2017, they released I think 17 reports. One of them is uh, is foreign views on EMP uh, nuclear EMP attacks, and so it's got all the kind of the war doctrine from different countries. And there, just so you know, this is first strike doctrine. For every country, electromagnetic warfare is the future of warfare. Mm -hmm. Taking out somebody's electric grid and all their communications and all their means of transportation and food delivery and all that, you take that out, you win the fight on minute one. The second that thing goes off, you've won the war. You don't even have to fight a war at that point. So, um, so it's detonated around 300 kilometers above the, the earth. Okay. So then 
it I think it's the troposphere uh, that the gamma radiation that when it goes through it electrifies it and there's two pulses that come one is the e1 okay the e1 pulse is nanoseconds from coast to coast okay it hits instantly with a crack okay uh and at peak yield right where the detonation happens you get as high as 200 kilovolts per meter at the coast you're looking at probably uh 50 kilovolt uh per meter out at the coast and uh that's enough to fry most small electronics so that's going to attack all your microchips which is in pretty much everything today uh everything that we rely on now that is a very difficult thing to test for uh, so a lot of times when people do testing for EMP hardness, they're talking about the E3 pulse, which I'll discuss in a second. E, E1 portion, yeah, you have to have a really big generator to produce uh, 100,000 plus kilovolts per meter of E1. Uh, but that is going to be, that's really devastating, okay? Because that's going to take out a lot of electronics. Right behind that is the E3 portion. And that's going to kind of attach itself to the Earth's magnet, magnetosphere and uh, the ground waves and the rocks and uh, it's going to attach to long line transmission lines, all your distribution lines, anything with an antenna on it. It's just going to attach to that and it's going to travel down. And basically anything that they get fried by the E1, the E3 portion is going to come behind and it's going to give it another big, big wall up there. And that lasts, I forget how long, I think it's the one to two seconds. It kind of fluctuates and it grows. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's also very devastating. But at the end of the day, uh, the biggest danger is to our, Electric distribution lines are high voltage transformers. They take about 12 to 18 months to build. They come from South Korea and Germany and actually now China. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> but uh, and they take 12 to 18 months to build. So if they take out whether and it could be a solar flare it could happen from the sun. You could do it through cyber attack uh, with the right with the right methods. They take out enough of our high voltage transformers. The first ones aren't getting here for a year. At minimum, 12 months. I think right now with copper shortages, I think the earliest uh, delivery for a high-voltage transformer is 18 months. We don't build any here in this country. Uh, and, and even if we could build them here, we wouldn't have the electric grid to power the factory anyway. But mm -hmm. that, So uh, the point is, is we're going – this country nationwide will go an entire year without electricity. Uh, what that means is you're looking at 90% of the American population dying the first year from disease, starvation, Jeez. societal collapse. Uh, I mean, every aspect of human life today, every aspect of our life, mm -hmm. food distribution, interstate trucking, computers, TV, radio, networking, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, banking system, our government, 99% of the military bases re receive their electricity from civilian electric grid. They've already warned Congress in the case of the civilian electric grid coming down, the, the military has 48 hours of backup diesel power generation on the average base. Okay, Cheyenne Mountain, our nuclear triad, they're protected. But outside of that, there's it's the military, and it's in the report that I have, the military runs out of food within two to three days, just like the American mm -hmm. people. It's every man for themselves. There's no government plan. There's no military plan. It will dissolve into warlords and... Uh, well, my Amazon app will work quick. on it. My Amazon app will still work on it. No. No? Oh, The Amazon man. servers are going to be down. Oh, All the man. Silicon Valley is going to be down. No TV, no internet, no nothing. Okay, I got a question. I'm not going to mention this individual's name, but you know who I'm talking about. Um states that it's not going to be as bad. And because he's using old technology, old 
old, and we talked about this on the phone the other day, I believe we talked about it, that he was saying that he predicted 80% of the cars would still work after yeah. EMP. And well, he also, he also said, you know, a lot of electronics would survive. You're saying with the bigger nukes now, and a lot of that stuff is not really true anymore. And you were also, I want you to get into, because we're talking about that, you know, all this is these Faraday cages. Sometimes we see that people make are just about useless. So, <laughs> right. Okay. I'm setting you up. I mean, that's what we were talking about the other all day. Right. We need the truth. That's why. That's why we got okay. you. This is this is a very complicated topic. But I, I have I have been to most infraguard meetings. I've sat with, had one on one meetings with uh, the engineers from the EMP Commission. Some I'm not going to name names either, but some of the guys that wrote the original algorithms for the mm -hmm. 1981 mill standard reports, and they're still doing military standard testing today. Uh, you know, when I bring up, I, I think the most popular EMP Faraday cage. Uh, video on YouTube has 450,000 views at this point. It's a garbage can. I think it's it's like Mormon <laughs> Prepper 101 or something. And you know, it's there's a there's a weed whacker in the background. And I, watch, I watch that one. Is uh, putting a radio <laughs> battery powered radio down there, putting the lid on yep. because they lost signal. He said that's EMP proof. <laughs> and I, I, sh I actually showed that to one of the, the engineers from one of the big facilities, the military test facilities. They laughed out loud. They said, well, man, we spend all this money for military testing. We could have just got garbage cans to put stuff in. Uh, so he here's the thing. Um, again, I, I mentioned briefly 180-125. It is still considered. It's it's unclassified for a reason. Okay. Uh, the average Joe, you can go down there, you can download the EMP hardening standards and so anytime that i see all these people they're like we're 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 tested the military standards well that standard is considerably lower so that's that that standard is 50 kilovolts per meter okay we now know that the russian chinese have super amps that could produce up to 200 ki kilovolts per meter okay uh and the military had to redo the the hardening standards okay uh, I think you remember the Bob administration, they spent, I think, $4 mm -hmm. billion dollars on Cheyenne Mountain, uh, re-hardening re it and nuclear triad and, and some of our uh, missile defense systems and stuff like that. So, but the, that's, that's TS2. That you're, like, I, I don't have access to that. Like, I, I know it exists, but uh, nobody has access. And that's part of the problem with the electric industry. The utility industry is like, well, we, you know, they don't have top secret clearances to find out what the military is hardening to now. So they're claiming, oh, we can't do it anyway. But um, so I, I guess my point is you have to be very careful uh, what you uh, I would say I, I would I would tell you that 95 percent of the EMP advice on YouTube is just wrong. OK, now, with that said, if you take a garbage can, line it with cardboard, uh, make sure you have a good seal. You seal it up. You put some stuff in there. It, it there, There's a very valid chance it could protect your stuff. Okay, but there's no guarantee that, that, that's not. So when when I have clients that we build, you know, get their bunkers and we put uh, like chest style freezers uh, that are from Holland Shielding or one of these big companies that build uh, 100 plus decibel uh, uh, products for like actual real fair. I mean, they're ten thousand dollars a piece. There's a reason why it's very expensive. Uh, if you want to do it yourself, um, you, the the safest way to the the most reliable where you can sleep at night knowing that you're 99.99% protected is uh, 3 16th inch, 3 16th inch plate steel, uh, double welded, and then die tested to make sure you don't have any penetrations in there. 
and then uh, have a 100 plus decibel gasket seamless gasket so you have to get it custom made from like holland shielding you don't just put four pieces down you you know you butt the ends it's got to be a seamless gasket all the way around make sure you have good compression are you um, sure to test that with just an fm radio dropping it down there that ten thousand dollar faraday cage that's how in they the cardboard test box it. yeah I, I don't think it's going to get a signal of course. <laughs> so you say that um that you know we might need to how about like so, so, trash, uh, so trash, let me, let me, okay yeah, real quick okay let me, let me finish one more thing uh, i realize 99 percent of your audience can't afford a ten thousand dollar chest freezer to put their fancy electronics in okay so nesting is is good okay you can buy the esd bags electrostatic bags the faraday bags okay uh they're kind of like mylar um get them from a reputable company that has had them tested at a facility before that'll get you 50 kilovolts per meter and, and then you put that inside your garbage pan your garbage bag or garbage can with your cardboard you're you're probably good okay um so i say probably because it depends so we were talking about the pulse uh, if we get one nuclear emp over the city center of oklahoma yeah you're right 80 percent of the cars are probably going to survive on the east and west coast okay um, but they may hit us with multiple. That, that's the reason it's, mm. it's hard to answer. People are like, well, what do I need to protect myself? It depends, right? If you're at ground zero, you know, directly below where you just took a gut punch and, you know, up in the atmosphere, which doesn't affect you personally, you could get as much as 200 kilovolts per meter. Russia said that we, we, we have EMP weaponry that can wipe out your most hardened protected sites. Okay. Whether they do or don't, that's a different question, but, um, I guess my point is, is I want to be honest with my clients. I want to be honest with people. I don't want to give them false hope and regurgitate the same stuff that all the other, you know, wing nuts on the prepper sphere are kind of regurgitating. So uh, there's no 100% guarantee. Don't trust your life unless you've actually got the, like I said, the 316 inch steel box uh, or, or buy it from a reputable company. Uh, so I wouldn't have something that my life depended on, but you mentioned cars earlier. So, that we don't know so you know i actually had this conversation with dr pry you know probably a month before he passed away on my last call uh during the emp commission testing in 2004 the newest vehicle they tested i think there was 13 cars was to 2002. they were also told because they were on a budget not to try and break the cars okay so that uh, so they kind of they didn't really wallop them as hard as they could have probably walloped them at the time uh we're also talking 20 plus year older cars and if you know anything about cars today the amount of microchips that are in a car mm -hmm. is astronomical you know the you, your if your computer and your car doesn't work it ain't limping anywhere it's not going anywhere your suspension everything's controlled by uh, microchips with that said because of that there's more rf shielding in newer cars so what hasn't happened is they haven't tested civilian cars they've tested some tractor trailers here in recent years uh with decent success but um the civilian cars have not been tested for emp so it is literally a guessing game on what percentage but i would think 30 uh 30 30 to 40 percent of cars uh, dying on the road, uh, maybe 10% of those would be able to get them restarted. Uh, but I, I think 20 to 30% of cars dying on the road is, is a realistic, uh, uh, was, is a realistic, uh, number with that said, most major cities, you have 20% on the road die 
on the road where they're at, it's gridlock traffic. Mm. It's a complete, it's a, it's a parking lot. You're not, you know, in rural and rural areas, not, not so much of a problem, but in, um, and, but I mean, the other thing is, is even if you have a working car, none of the gas pumps in this country work. Okay. Interstate mm. trucking doesn't, isn't functioning. That's going to be down within a day. You know, once the trucks get to their destination, even if they finish their routes, um, no one's going to be driving across country delivering food or diesel or anything like that. So you basically, you know, if your car does run, you better use it to get out of Dodge. <laughs> Meaning get, get out of the cities, right? Get out of the cities. Yeah. You, 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 you stress that quite a bit in the book, like get yep. out of the cities. Um, what, what the ask, well, first of all, I guess the, the, this is no, there's no good situation. I don't care how good of a prepper you are that this is just a, an awful, awful, awful situation. You mentioned a lot in the book on like mindset, like where your head needs to be in the event this does happen. Pray to God it doesn't, but in the event it does, how important is that that mindset and being able to adapt, adjust, overcome to just whatever gets thrown at you? Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, the OODA loop. Yeah, uh, so a, a kind of a common philosophy, a kind of a common mindset in preparedness is uh, is always don't over, just start easy. You know what I mean? Get some bottled water, buy a couple cases of MREs in Mountain House, uh, buy some candles, right? Prepare for prepare for the next hurricane. Start for something simple and then slowly work your way up to preparing for the next big thing and then the next bigger thing. And uh, you'll never get to EMP, okay? Preparing for an EMP or a grid down event is extremely difficult. And I, I'm not stressed. I, I can't stress it enough. It's going to be extremely difficult when 90% of the population is starving to death, dying, killing each other. It's going to be very difficult to survive that scenario. Uh, a little bit of luck. Okay. Uh, planning goes a long way. If you have a location tucked away and you can avoid people for a year, that's your best chance of living. But uh, kind of to, to kind of go back and answer your question, um, my philosophy is you have to wrap your brain around the worst case scenario, even if you can't afford to build a retreat, wrap your brain around what life looks like after a nationwide grid down event. Cause you could get that from a serious pandemic. Not, not this thing that we just experienced. I'm talking about one of the other ones that came from the same lab that had a 20% or a 40% death rate, not a 0.03% death rate. When your kids start dropping dead, you, want, you ain't gonna have to shut the country down. Ain't nobody going to work. Nobody's going in anywhere if you have a 20% of dying, 20% chance of dying from this thing, young or old, right? So that could shut down the country uh, and shut down interstate trucking and shut down the, the you know, everything. So the, the, I guess my point is, is if you're prepared to mentally prepared and you come up with a game plan and you prepare to survive an extended long-term uh, scenario, any of these other things are going to be a breeze, but I see so many people like they, 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 they hear an uh, interview like this. They, they hear me, you know, talking about the end of days and they're freaked out and they go out and they do their own research and like, Holy cow, this nut job was actually real. And this is a serious <laughs> threat. Next thing you know, they, they run out and they start spending their cash in their kids college fund and, and buying a whole bunch of stuff that, and they're buying the wrong stuff and they're listening to people that don't know what they're talking about on YouTube mm -hmm. Uh, because they've got an expensive camera and they're funny and they have a good personality and they make 
high quality content and you know youtube pushes them up their algorithm but i mean i've literally had conversations like i want to be careful i don't want to dime this guy out but he had the top website for preparedness we'll just we'll call it bug out bag gear and stuff like that the number one website for that was going back and forth he wanted to do some joint like advertising and you know, I, I saw some of the stuff he was recommending. Uh, one of them was a was a Becker uh, was a BK two uh, K bar uh, knife, which is it's a fantastic. Knife. I actually own that knife, but I mean it's a pig sticker. It's it's eighteen ounces. It's a quarter inch thick. Mm-hmm. And he was like stabbing oil drums and oil barrels and saying this is the best you know prepper knife ever. But and I was just kind of like, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, but you know, I could literally for 18 ounces, I could carry a um, cold steel SRK and a silky saw, and and get a lot more done with 18 mm-hmm. ounces than mm-hmm. that big pig sticker you got. You don't. But anyways, so I asked yep. him, said, you know, have you, you know, and it, he was like trying to chop down saplings with a knife. I'm like, you're using the wrong tool for the job there, dude. <laughs> you know, and um, so like. He was batoning or whatever he wanted to call it. I don't uh-huh. know. But I, so I asked him, I was like, you know, what's your background? And he was like, literally, I've never been camping. Like, like I stayed, he literally said I stayed at a wow. holiday in once. Like, he's just a great marketer. I mean, he stepped into this industry. And I, there, you can read on Vice and different places. There are ghostwriters. There are a lot of people writing in this space that literally think we're a bunch of kooks and a bunch of weirdos. But they make money because it's a it's a right. market. It's I, a business. Yep. It's a business. Yep. So I remember two years ago, almost two years ago, um, you were a keynote speaker um, up in the mountains of North Carolina, and we went out to eat. And in the parking lot, we stood for hours. I mean, hours afterwards. I don't know what time. I it was. Pro- I don't know. It was four o'clock. It was, or so. I, it was very late. <laughs> we, we closed but, the restaurant, the bar down first. <laughs> yeah, that was way. That was earlier. And we we stood there in the parking lot. It was me, uh, you, and Charlie Hogwood. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we stood there, and we had some of the best conversation ever. After when I got home, you know, that evening or whatever time it was in the morning, I couldn't figure out. If, I'm like, am I? depressed am i because all we talked about was what would really happen if this stuff went down and and we i mean i don't know i won't say that i was the intelligence got intelligent guy there but it was one of the most fascinating conversations three guys that i would say i mean i'm making this up but 60 percent of all consulting in america which groups were right there because charlie has done I don't know, three, 400 groups. I've done f- several and you've done the, what you've done. And I was thinking, wow, this is, this is the, this is the three right here that I know of that have done more consulting than anyone else when it comes to putting together groups. But man, it was a fascinating night, but I know that I, I think I, we didn't even bring chairs out. Did we, we just stood there and yeah. I just, I just know that we had to go back be there at eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, it's almost getting light out with that said, um, your first book survival theory one was is in my top five books of all times. And that's put up against, um, like, um, um, Joe and Amy Alton's medical book. You just got to have that. That's a book you've got to have. Um, and also the SAS like, um, survival handbook, you know, that book, 
You, yep. Everyone needs that book. Your Survival Theory 1 is one of them books because it's the mindset in there. You do put tools in that one, a little bit different book than your second one, you know, things to buy and things. But one of the things I, I called you after I read the first one, I said, I said, we're just, you're a brother from another mother because everyone, everyone, all preppers, all they do is talk about guns and running. And, and, and you said in that book, you know, when you're in a gunfight behind you, or the people you're protecting. So every bullet miss, it goes up and hits them or the house, or the property or the things you're doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy gets it. So survival theory two, little bit different book. And I, I, I think I text you or told you when I read the first, we'll say third of the book, I gained five pounds because you give the most you give facts people don't work with facts you were given facts about starvation about when 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 uh you know i guess countries or um when 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 they lose their food supply and people starve and you know you even mentioned in i don't know what country this they were eating mud and then they were, yeah, and they were softening their shoes or leather and eating the leather. And, and I'm like, I got to eat. <laughs> and so I gained five pounds. But that is some serious information. And people don't realize, and that, that's why I told you even in my, in my quote for you, that is the truth that people need to understand. If 90% of the people in America were to, um, to pass away because of, of hunger and disease that that is something that people just don't get so it's that is the the god's honest truth is i am not popular i am not the guy the upbeat guy that everybody you know when when i get done giving a presentation people want to like go <sighs> take a hard drink die. you know like yeah uh, i'm not i'm not a ray of sunshine i'm a one trick pony because this is kind of my wheelhouse and i, I i'm trying and, and you've been alongside with me trying to scream this mm -hmm. from the rooftops is that most i mean 99.99% of americans do not realize the gravity of a nationwide grid down a threat, the likelihood, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, you know, I was in I was in Texas last week with Senator Bob Hall trying to get legislation through in Texas. And I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm fighting the fight. I've worked with these guys. I don't know that it's going to happen. So and and so 99 percent of people don't realize what that, that you could have a grid down event for more than a year like. No water, no not, no nothing, no food, no no anything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they don't even realize that's a possibility. They just assume a government somewhere, some man's fixing it somewhere, someone's doing something, okay? And of the people, so my point being, of the people, the 1% of the population in the prepping community that understand that this is a serious threat, it's a realistic threat, it's a common threat that could happen, and they need to take it seriously, they don't, uh, they don't understand the ramifications because of, EMP prepper fiction, the, some of the most popular authors out there, I'm not going to name names, uh, Hollywood. Uh, and I think most of the EMP prepper fiction guys get their storylines from The Walking Dead and, you know, the latest Hollywood blockbuster on prepping where there's always a military box shop coming down the road, passing out MREs or something. Okay. And it's never going to happen. Right. Uh, it's going to fall apart so much faster. I think one of the most 
the the reason I started my first book, remember I said I was reading bad stuff. I think one of the mm-hmm. stories, um, it was uh, in a city in suburbia, and it was five days after the EMP hit, right? No electricity. Five days later, him and his next door neighbor, uh, they had this like na- neighborhood group, but like nobody had any food except the, this guy. So they went down to the grocery store. And the manager had a desk and a cash register outside, and there was a police officer standing next to him. And they were letting two people in at a time to only buy $50 worth of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, a manager has five days in, there's got to be rioting and looting at that point, Mm -hmm. right? That manager, there's no such thing as money anymore, right? That manager has no vested interest in that store. She's a a nine-to-five employee. She probably doesn't have health insurance. You know what I mean? The the police officers, uh, they have no way to drive their cars. Their radios don't work. Their prisons don't work. Even if they could arrest somebody, they have to walk them back to the precinct. Okay? And then there's no judge to call to, to get them out of jail. It's just the police are going to throw up their hands after day one or day two and go home when things fall apart. Like, no one's going to be standing outside. That grocery store is looted days mm-hmm. before that, right? Uh, the, the manager and the police officer would be two of the people looting the grocery store the day before. Okay. So like, so these are the things that like, I, I just, people don't understand. I mean, we live in the richest country in the world. It's called normalcy bias. It's hard to take mm-hmm. your, yourself out of your current life. Uh, and that's part of what survival theory two talks about is, uh, you know, stepping outside of the fact that you drive your car to work. Yeah, or you, you know, let's say you walk to work in New York City, you, you bump into somebody on the street, you talk to them, you have conversations. People are sane. Nobody's trying to scope you out to kill you for your last, you know, food because their kid's dying on the couch back home and they haven't been able to get their kid food for two weeks. Like these concepts are so foreign to Americans, right? Even our grandparents grew up with electricity, for goodness sake. Um, the life skills that you need to survive without electricity, they're gone. They're gone. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they are. Um, so, like, I think people just, they think, they, they get an idea of, like, Katrina. That's what's in their brain, right? It's in their brain that it's like Katrina. Somebody's going to fix it. Somehow, we're gonna, you know, we're going to bootstrap. We're going to, some smart people up in Silicon Valley or D.C. are going to fix the problem. And it's not going to happen. Uh, it's, it's literally, fundamentally, uh, another great book, and I know you, you, you like this one too, Forth, is uh, The Dark Secrets of SHTF by Selko Begovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Must read that. Uh, he lived in a city uh, that was surrounded by the enemy that kept the mm-hmm. power. He basically lived in a great down event for about a year, and how that modern city broke down street by street. Neighbor, It was basically family by family, and uh, you know, sm- little tiny groups surviving, fighting every other little group until they killed off all the other groups. They joined... It essentially developed into like multiple warlords running each city. Um, mm-hmm. Women had, to, you know, you know, single women that didn't have the the guns or the the ability. They had to use whatever resources they had to them to align themselves to a group. It, it, there's things you don't want to think about, talk about that don't get in the Hollywood movies. And that was real. Yeah, it's real. If you look at, if yeah, you look at that it, really happened. Yeah, he's got some stories in there about like, you know stuff like that and it's tough to read and it's not something that you want to you know read to your kids to put them mm-hmm. in bed but, you know <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's stuff that people need to read because it's it's historical like it's fact right. uh, so i guess the last point i'll make is is like all those stories so at the end of the so 
I present the evidence. I present the scientific data. I present uh, Minnesota starvation experiment. I go through uh, Phillips Lombardo studies, Milgram's. I go through like these different, you know, the, the effects of starvation physiologically on the body and psychologically on the body. Then I do the historical data. Right after that, I have a section where I break down. And, and just so you know, we were talking about this before we came on here. Those aren't the worst stories from those books, not even by far. Because some of them were so extreme. I was like, some people, you know, there's... There's going to be some women reading this too, you know, and you know, there's, I don't want to, I, I don't want to like push, but if you read uh, a, a great one, Red Famine by Ann Applebaum, uh, Mao's Great Famine is another great book. Um, these, you know, if, if you read these historical accounts, what you will come to realize and what I kind of put in that last section where I tie it all together is one, the people that lived through all these historical famines had life skills Americans don't have today. They, they, they knew how to they knew that you had to boil water they knew how to grow potatoes they knew how to store potatoes they knew how to uh, they knew what stuff in the forest that you could eat because most of the people in Ukraine and China had had hard times before they had you know they had the the hand gardening tools they understood these concepts so one they had life skills that we don't have two their work ethic was so far beyond what we have today. The entitlement mentality, a lot of, you know, a lot of these people today are just going to crawl up on a ball and cry in their closet, okay? Uh, three, they had, I would say, a community, or like their community were, were, were tight. They were tight-knit communities, neighbors, looking out for neighbors. Like nobody talks to anybody. Everybody's on TV or Facebook or something. Nobody knows their neighbors like they used to. Okay, uh, and then the religious aspects of it. Most of these, most of these countries were very religious. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. and they had, they weren't like, hey, everybody has your own truth, your truth, my truth. I, that's going to lead to a disaster in this kind of scenario, right? Uh, their their morality was tied to their faith. Okay, which made it more static and more strong. Okay, um, so you take all these things, and what I what I discovered, and kind of what I presented, what. If it if we have a grid down attack or a grid down event in America that lasts a year, it's going to be far worse than all those horrible stories that you read, all of them. Because one, you look at uh, the Holodomor in Ukraine and you look at the Chinese famine. Both those situations were extreme starvation, extreme starvation, extreme human desperation, but there was still rule of law. Stalin and Mao. I mean, if, if you were caught sneaking into a city to get food or if you were caught hoarding food, it was a death penalty. Yeah, like you were put to death for breaking any of these laws by stealing or holding back food that you're supposed to be giving up or anything like that. So the rule of law was still in existence. There were still judges. There were still courts. So some of the even more crazy atrocities that could have happened in those areas didn't because people were afraid of getting caught. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so you had rule of law. And if you look at Bosnia and, you know, Selko Begovic and his situation, uh, you didn't have as high a level of starvation. You still had starvation. People were still eating maggoty food that they would find in refrigerators, but they got the occasional food drop. The warlord snuck some food in once in a while, and they were able to barter for it. That, you know, so starvation was lower, but there was no rule of law. And you can look at the, on the flip side, the crazy atrocities that happen when you don't have rule of law. In America, in this type of situation... There's no police, no fire, no military, no government, no food, no water, um, no information, no, 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 no government, you know, 
TV shows saying, hey, everybody stay calm. We're working on the problem. None, none of that stuff works. So it just, everything that, it just stops. It's a continental time machine. It takes us back 200 years and we don't have the supplies, the knowledge or the life skills to, to live that way anymore. So, so when you say this to, right, you're speaking with some influential people that could pass legislation that could help harden the grid. You, you lay all these facts out, historical references. I mean, what, what is their hang up? What is their pushback? Is it just like, Hey, this is, this is fair. This is walking dead fairy tale stuff. This is never going to happen. Like, what are you hearing from these folks that you're pitching this to, to, to see if they could do something legislatively? Okay. So see if I can lay this out. It's a little complicated. So I laid out how FERC, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, oversees NERC. Uh, as of right now, the electric utility industry is the only industry in America that has no federal oversight. Okay. If you get on a plane, you trust the FFA, the FAA, you know, is looking after those planes and it's safe to fly. When you buy something off the shelf, the FDA has looked at that food. You buy a drug, you know, uh, the, 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 you buy a car, it has to have seat belts. Okay. I am a libertarian. I'm a small government guy, but there are certain rules for government that make sense. And making sure their electric grid continues to function when every aspect of human life you know, that's a big one, right? But it's the one industry that's completely not, I mean, they're completely unregulated, okay? And I mean completely. They they, they do whatever they want to do. Uh, and they give a lot of lip service and they, they, they have their lawyers craft certain verbiage. It sounds like they're doing a whole lot. They're doing a lot with cyber right now. Uh, they're doing a lot with cyber, but the SCADA equipment, inside the equipment, they have done nothing with that or any testing on that. Um so basically what you have, okay, let's look at Texas. What was it? I think 245 people died in Texas during the ice storm, okay, uh, recently. Uh, if, if I remember, I think it was 243 people died, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize that that same thing happened in 1981, okay? They had an ice storm in 1981, lost power, and a bunch of people died, okay? And everybody just assumed, wow, a bunch of people died. Man, they're going to take it serious now. They're going to fix this, right? And they never fixed it, okay? And then it happened again. Uh, to put it in perspective, the, the great Northeast blackout here, uh, what was that, a decade ago or a little mm -hmm. longer than that, a bunch of people died there too, was caused, uh, I think it was like 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago now, but it was caused by a down limb, one limb falling online, shorting something out, and it cascaded, boom, the whole thing goes down. So the FERC, which has a regulatory authority, told NERC, hey, you need to come up with a, come up with a solid vegetation plan for your companies. It took them eight years Eight years to come up with a vegetation plan, which we don't even know how it's enforced at this point. We're not allowed to see who's breaking it or, or not. So if it takes them eight years to come up with a vegetation plan, we're talking about them protecting it. It's, you know, an electromagnetic pulse, okay? It's a very complicated thing. Uh, they don't want to spend the money. They want the government to pay for it. The problem is, is the government will pay for it, but the government, if they pay for it, they want to be able to look in and make sure you're spending this $10 billion to fix this stuff. And right, right now... Accountability. Uh, accountability, exactly right. So the problem is, is one, they don't want the government having that authority because that opens all kinds of boxes now. Because now the, the, the government could be looking into all kinds of things. Because again, there's 3,000 utility companies that kind of do whatever they want to do, okay? Uh, some, some are real big on security. Duke Energy's real... I think Duke Energy's... I don't want to start saying say names, but, um, you know, but some of them like have terrible standards. They don't do anything. They, they, they're messing everything up, but we're not allowed to low because it's national security stuff. Right. And so what happens in Texas and, you know, the big thing is, is 
if that legislation got passed, all of a sudden, for that to have happened, some leg- something had to have been broken or not done. Now you open the door to lawsuits. Okay, mm-hmm. right now there's 240 people. They they don't. It's an act of God, you know. Oh, you, you can't sue them for this stuff. You know, this stuff should have been fixed decades ago, right? But they don't want. Let's say so. They fight tooth and nail. Uh, Michael, maybe uh, if you if you Google Michael, maybe uh, grid security now. Uh, he's the tip of the spear. He's I forget how many. I think thousands of FOIA requests he's filled out. Uh, he's gone out. He's got a lawsuit against utilities right now, trying to get information. He's got a lawsuit. I think it's maybe I think FERC or, or NERC right now, trying to get information from them. Um, he's put out so much. He's discovered so much stuff in his research. Command Sergeant Major uh, Michael Maybe, um, and it's just uh, at the end of the day, one point two billion dollars. Uh, they spend more lobbying money at the federal government mm-hmm. than any other industry outside pharmaceuticals. They spend more money in D.C. than 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 big oil. OK, they don't want regulated. They're a huge industry. They're big money behind them. Uh, so little guys like us, every time that, you know, the Shield Act, the Grid Act, there's been multiple things that have come and they've gotten close in different states and, and at the federal government and a big, you know, couple dozen, you know, $4,000 suits come walking into the room and mm. they crush these bills every time. They never make it out of committee. You know, I would challenge our listeners to, I know this report was is a, is an old report, but it was called the EMP Commission. When it, what's, what's the actual document that they produced? Congressional the EMP, EMP uh, uh, Commission report to Congress, 2004, 2008. Uh, the big ones, the updated ones are 2017. Okay. Uh, the forward views. Chairman's report. There's, I think, there's 17 reports on, or 13 reports in 2017. But I want people to know that we, um, um, the former CIA agent, uh, what's his name, the the head of CIA, Woozy, Woozy, Woozy is on was on this and. Um, what's the congressman um, from uh, Ron t- Johnson? We've got a vet clerk in New York. I mean, this stuff I mean, in fantasy. But there's a, there's a, there's there's three or four. Well, I want I people think- to know that this ninety percentile that this commission the report talks about will die. These are high level people in our government, and you know them their name. I mean, this isn't these these crazy people at a MIT. These are ex CIA. These are congressmen. These are scientists. These are some of the smartest people. Put out this report. If the grid goes down, ninety percent of the people will die, and that's that's kind of scary. My question to you is: What if the southeast goes down for thirty days? I mean, I've seen the video on on YouTube. One of the best videos I've seen is called. I think it's called seventy or is it nine meals to anarchy? Nine meals to anarchy. Yep. Yep. It has historically about people losing food, but. Could it be possible that just sections of the power grid go down for extended period of times? Probably not. Uh, okay. Through cyber, they could. I mean, you've got three power grids. You've got the Eastern Interconnect, the Western Interconnect, and Texas. Okay. And, and the Eastern one and the Western go up into Canada. Texas goes down to Mexico. The problem is that they're so tied. Uh, because of new uh, carbon standards, we're shutting down coal power plants and natural gas power plants. We're building... We're building uh, uh, electric panel or uh, solar panel farms and wind farms, which do not 
have the reliability that these other sources do. We're adding, we're forcing more electric cars into the uh, electric grid, which is just, it's ludicrous that there's mm -hmm. no way we're going to have the capacity for that if if they keep expanding the, the level they are. Uh, we're already talking about rolling blackouts are probably becoming more common because of the, everything's tied together. I mean, uh, we're operating at peak, 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 peak efficiency. And uh, to, to make it more efficient, that it, it requires more microchips and computers in the grid, okay, which mm. makes it more vulnerable, right? Mm. So you hear this term smart grid. We keep making the grid smarter, 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 but it's making it more and more and more and more vulnerable to more any connected. scenarios. Okay. What's the probability, man? What What, what is the probability? That's <laughs> the question I've been dying to ask uh, for the past hour. Like, what, what is the probability that this event occurs and then – I know I'm putting you on the spot on this, man. It's probably not fair, but like okay. within a, we got a lot of nation state actors out there that don't like us. Um, what, what would be a, I don't even know, like a time frame, right? The probability and like when would this the day and hour happen? would the be day great. and the hour. Yeah. Yeah. So where <laughs> the sun is. So I'm probably on the outside of this. Okay. Uh, but I've also, man, I've been studying this for, for, for 15 years, every, you know, inside and out. Okay, my personal, this is my personal opinion. This isn't from the, uh, the, the U.S. Task Force National Homeland Security, which I'm with. Okay, this is my personal opinion. I think it's 80% in the next 20 years. I think it's 80%. Mm. Uh, so if you were just to say, what's the probability of the EMP attack? I would say uh, 40%. Okay, maybe, maybe 30% in the next 20 years. Okay. Um, uh, NASA says that, I mean, we're 50 years past due for Carrington level solar, solar flares or CME, uh, one, just, just a couple years 2012, ago, we missed it. Yeah. Well, yeah, just barely missed earth and NASA didn't tell us till like, yeah, nine days. No, nobody did till they're not going to yeah. tell you ahead of time. Uh, they're not going to tell you, Hey, the world's ending in, in a day and a half. Uh, they're just, they're going to let it happen. See, see if it happens. So um, let me, wait, hang on real quick. I want people to understand. I think it was in 2012, this um, CME, which is a, we'll call it a solar storm, left the sun. And as we're rotating, we literally miss th the huge storm, I think, by nine days. I think that's correct. Nine days. And if we would have gone through that, it would have been devastation. To almost whole northern hemisphere would have been without power. Whole yeah, hemisphere, all the way around the globe. And people, I mean, look that up on on NASA. Don't take what we we say. I mean, as just look it up. And even NASA and all the science science journals says we met. I mean, nine days from a lot of people dying and a lot of things changing, but we missed it. Thank goodness. So NASA came out here a couple of years ago and said twelve percent per decade is a chance for a massive solar flare. Or I'm sorry, CME hitting her. Mm -hmm. uh, and then recently, some other scientists came out and said it's actually double that. So probably 24% per decade that mm -hmm. we're going to get hit at some point because we're we're like a, I think it's I think we're a hundred years past due for yeah. a big solar storm. We've just been lucky. Quebec uh, night 89 was a you know it was, a, it was a decent one, but we're due for a big one, and it's just a matter of time till one of them hits. Uh, and then we have uh, this that solar flare EMP. Uh, every Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, Pakistan, every nuclear nation EMP attack is first first strike. It's first strike attack at this point. It's not like something you and and most countries consider it cyber warfare because you don't detonate 
a nuclear bomb on the planet. You don't blow up a city. Uh, nobody gets hit with any radiation. You don't kill a single person. Iran actually considers this Sharia compliant because they don't kill a single American. They just detonate something up in the atmosphere, okay? And and they say that America, our own arrogance, we kill ourselves because of our reliance on uh, technology and electricity. So they consider it sh Sharia compliant. North Korea has two satellites that circle the Earth twice a day. Uh, at just happens to be 300 kilometers, I think it is, above the Earth's surface that uh, that's never sent a single signal back to North Korea. So uh, we believe those both have nuclear bombs on them uh, that could be detonated. Did we lose them? I hope not. I think we may have. This stuff's scary, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. You still there? Yeah, we're here. Yeah. Yes, you, uh, yeah. North Korea is trying to get you to stop talking about or, it. <laughs> <I'm fucked>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh -oh. Here we go. I'm back. Okay. I'll yeah. Like, you guys lost me. North well, Korea. All about North Korea. And then it all went. Yeah. Okay. Went so they heard it. stopping you. Yeah. They're on to you. So then you have uh, the physical attacks. We've seen that in North Carolina. Yeah. We've seen that on the West mm -hmm. Coast. We've seen that increasing lately. I could get in depth on that. Uh, North Korea, Metcalf substation, we have no idea who did either one of those attacks. They're still out at large. And, you know, uh, and then the last one is cyber. So I think cyber's a big, huge realm. Joe Weiss, uh, applied science, you know, uh, he's done a lot of work with this. He comes from inside the industry. He talks all the time how uh, the high voltage transformers are very, very vulnerable from the inside out. Um, we have quant artificial intelligence, chat GPT. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been following mm -hmm. that, the craziness, how fast that's developing. We've got quantum computers, which are coming around the corner. They're coming faster than anybody's really telling you. Uh, that's going to be coming in the next two or three years. So we have, uh, we have this war in Ukraine. We've got China, who's going to be taking Taiwan here in the next mm -hmm. year or two. It's not like we can kick them out of SWIFT. Yep. I think it work. So we've got... There, there's world war implications, and if, if you get a chance, uh, General Stephen Quast, just absolute patriot, um, uh, has a Hillsdale speech where he talks about mm -hmm. the future of warfare is in the electromagnetic spectrum. America's still fighting the last war war. We're still trying to build the, the fastest airplane, the biggest aircraft carrier, you know, the, the strongest tank. Uh, when these other countries, I mean, let's just look at Ukraine. You have a big military powerhouse of Russia, and they're being defeated with drones and advanced technology that they're getting supplied. Mm -hmm. Two years before that, as Azer, I think it was Azerbaijan and maybe Uzbekistan, like it's a, just a, two little tiny countries fought a war like two or three years ago. It's fascinating to check because the one country had Russia's backing. They had jets, tanks, you know, all kinds of artillery. This other little country was super poor. All they, they had a fraction of the military forces. They went to Turkey, bought a bunch of drones from Turkey, and in two days they defeated this 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 other country that was way bigger than them, way more military, and like just like two days, crushed them with advanced technology. So um, that's the future of warfare: cyber attacks, uh, taking down countries' infrastructures, EMP attacks. That's the future, and unfortunately, we're we we're like not catching on. Hmm. I'm ready yep. to start drinking whiskey. I'm a sunshine. <laughs> you start drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah, let's break out the whiskey. <laughs> so, so this book, um, great book, 
by the way. And thank you. Um, you asked me to write a quote for it. And I, I mean, it was hard to word the quote because it was so serious. The book is a lot of truth. And I mean, it, it was, it's a great book. It's going to, I know that we, I mean, I know PrepperNet, we've, uh, one of our groups have already bought a bunch of copies from you or they're trying to um like 50 copies i believe but this will be a book that will be talked about for the ages because it's it's the truth about what every prepper thinks about in their mind and they need to know and and they want to know the truth it's just we got to get people to tell them the truth and you're you start at the the campaign (laughs) you're plowing ahead (laughs) so um anything else you want to ask uncle buck no no this is this is great. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are listening, it's called Survival Theory 2. Um, mm-hmm. Take a look at it. It's on Amazon. Buy it. Read it. Um, be forewarned. The first one third is pretty intense, but um, there's a lot of good nuggets there uh, t- towards the um, towards the second third uh, of, of what to do and how best to prepare and thinking with the worst case possible scenario. So you're prepared for anything that comes below that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the one thing I would recommend is don't don't dismiss it out of pocket, okay? So if you read Survival Theory 2, um, I, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to, to fight against the logic and the fact and the, the historical data that I put in there, okay? most But it, it's a common thing. Um, there, there's a whole... There's a whole industry of what's called kind of urban prepping. Now, if you're talking about a little two-week scenario or something, yeah, absolutely, that's that's great. But if you're talking about extended long-term grid-down event, extended, you know, societal collapse, pandemic-level uh, event, uh, and you're st- you know, you have to take the advice that I'm putting in this book seriously. Um, don't bury your head in the sand because that's a common thing. It's like wow, like. This is flies in the face that everything that all these other preppers have been telling me on YouTube and, and the fiction that I read, uh, you know, this guy's like, this thing's like up here. And most of these guys down here, I can wrap my head around it. You know, when, when bad things happen in the books or in the movies, it's always the bad guy doing the bad thing. It's not just some blue collar guy whose daughter's dying of starvation and will do anything to get that child some food, include kill, kill his neighbor who he's been mm-hmm. friends with for the last 10 years. Okay. So, this the concepts I lay out there. They're fact. They're 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 backed with with data and his history. Um, don't put your head back in the sand. Accept it as truth, and accept that you need to reevaluate your survival plan of action. Okay, that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a you know a thing because you built all these plans, and someone told you that you could build a six foot fence in suburbia. And, you know, spray paint your doors and windows and nobody's ever going to know that, you know, you're the only one on the block that's not getting skinny. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not going to happen. They're going to figure it out and they're eventually going to come by force. Yeah. You might, you know, you're still team six. Okay. You defend your, your non-bulletproof house, you know, the first four or five gunfights, eventually you're going to die and they're going to eat your food. So, uh, take, take what I'm saying serious. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable, but make the necessary steps to wrap your brain around it. Then make your plans accordingly. Yes. So tell everyone how to, um, to get up with you, how to get your book. When's your audio book coming out? All that, all the good stuff. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I've also got the next book. I know everybody's been bugging me on the, the next book of my EMP fiction series. Uh, that's been a long time coming. Uh, that's 85% done. So my plan here 
is uh, March first. I'm gonna I'm gonna crush on the the fiction book and try and get that done in the month of March. I've got a lot of different podcasts. I'm working on the Audible for this. I'm trying to get the report out uh, to to put on Amazon. But you can find my all my books on Amazon. Uh, they're all available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible. This one's not quite ready for you know, it's still going through the process. Um, I have another fiction book coming out. If you want to check out my website, griddownconsulting.com. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it's at griddownprepper. And Facebook and Patreon is at Jonathan Hollerman. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I'm also on Patreon a lot. Uh, if you're a paid subscriber, you know, we do giveaways and I, I do regular live Q&As and current events updates. And, you know, we put out a lot of different checklists and stuff that I, you know, that's kind of how I address the people that, that follow. And out. just for the record, we may have a guy sitting in his in his um, bunker right now going, wow, I really like what Jonathan Hollerman's doing. And, you know, I'll buy his books, but he's, he said he's on some kind of commission that is trying to change things. Um, how could they get up with you there and, and, and make a donation or help you out in, in a way that could really impact America with your voice to the congressman and to, you know, uh, to people in power? How can they do that? Thank you so much for throwing it out there. So um, uh, I am the deputy director of the U.S. Task Force on National and Homeland Security. We do not take private donations. Um, uh, we have to keep that separate because there's um, we we petition a lot with congressmen and senators stuff. So that I, I don't know all the ins and outs of how that works with 501c3s, but we don't take private donations. Uh, if you can afford to help, so here's the thing. This is not a David and Goliath fight, okay? This is like a Goliath and like a carpenter ant fight, okay? <laughs> the amount of money the utility industry has. I mean, they mm -hmm. they crush us at every corner. And every single person, I don't get paid for it. So any of the stuff I do, uh, you know, traveling, uh, this is all stuff I'm volunteering, trying to save the American population, okay? I don't get paid for any of it. Um, none of these guys do. Okay. Uh, if you can donate some money, even a little bit, Michael maybe is the tip of the spear. That that dude is fighting the utility industry in the course system by himself with his with his wife's grocery money. Uh, like go to his grid security now, Michael Maybe. That's M-A-B-E-E. -E. Definitely donate to him. And then the other big one I would definitely recommend is Secure the Grid Coalition. Uh, Secure the Grid Coalition. Uh, Colonel Tommy Waller runs that organization. They're kind of the, the national head of everything we do. They, they, uh, he's he's the helmsman. Uh, he's the captain of our boat, uh, driving everything, coordinating everything, putting everything together. Um, so definitely, if if you if you have the ability, of both those, uh, at least Tommy's uh, the security good question. I know that's uh, tax deductible because it's a five hundred one c three. Michael, maybe you're just helping out a brother. Uh, a fellow brother fighting the fight. So definitely help those guys out if you can donate. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and, you know, shoot, some, shoot some emails. Uh, there's lots of stuff that you could probably get involved to help. We're trying to organize through the back end of David Tice's uh, uh, grid down power up. Make sure you watch that documentary. I'll put uh, that in they, the links in the yeah. links. There'll be, it'd be linked in there. They have a C-suite. They have a take action. They have a whole committee. Put your email in there. I know they're trying to organize. Uh, we, we need to organize some people marching, to be honest with you. We need people 
you know, meeting some of these utility executives as they come out of their offices saying, hey, it's, you know, put a camera in their face, start asking them some tough questions. You know, we need to be doing some like Project Veritas level <laughs> stuff to, 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 to make a splash because right now there's no pressure on anybody. They, 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 don't, they don't have to act. And everyone's like, well, how could we be here? And how could because there's no American, there's nobody beating down the doors of their politicians saying, hey, do something about this. We're all right. going to die, you know? Yep. So. So all everything you're talking about, um, if you'll send me the links, I have all your information. But if you want me yeah. to put in, and I'll put all in the the show notes um, when we post this. Um, and um, but yeah, thanks for coming on, and um, thanks for fighting the fight. Thanks for telling us the truth as well. I mean, it's it's hard to sometimes get the truth, and um, and everyone go out and buy. You got to have survival theory one. I mean, you just have to, it's a, it's a great book. I'm not saying you don't need it for survival theory two because they really, I mean, they're separate books, but number one is great. Number two is great. So buy both of them. Um, and then buy them for your friends. And, <laughs> um, but you, you guys need to buy that. I do, um, I'm, I'm going to close this out, Greg, if you don't mind. And, um, Jonathan, if you want to stay on, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm just the most important thing we haven't talked about is this is all scary stuff. This is this is things that can really and and people ask me all the time, like, how do you like I I live a happy life. I'm smiling right Mm -hmm. now. I'm gonna go downstairs, got my wife and kids, and we're gonna play Mm -hmm. some games before we tuck them into bed. I I live a very happy, fulfilled life. I am not stressing this one bit. Uh, I am not, I don't have all my plans where I need them to be, but at the end of the day, we have a sovereign God and we have, yes. uh, you know, put your faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. And, you know, Amen. when this horrible thing happens, he will sustain you through the storm, you know, and, you know, we're, we're too, we're, our eyes are too earthbound. We were talking about this the other day too. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like everyone's like, oh, you know, my, I'm going to lose my house. I was like, who cares if you've got faith in Jesus Christ, you know, this time you have on earth is like this much and. Agreed. eternity goes on forever you know our eyes should be focused on what we're doing for the kingdom and you know and how we're living our life and our sanctification process and you know the the, the crazy stuff that happens down here on earth it seems so important to us now mm-hmm. none of this stuff matters in the scheme of eternity so yeah that's you know don't don't prep in fear it's easy a lot of preparedness people on mm-hmm. you know the internet they use fear to get people to prep uh, that's why I said, you know, go through the process, wrap your brain around this whole situation, pray about it and make wise decisions. Don't just run out there and start throwing money and stuff. Yes. Amen to that. So I, a uh, Bible verse came to my mind. It's John 14, one, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And see, that was Jesus telling everyone, Hey, don't, don't be troubled. God is still in control. Believe in me. And then you and you'll be fine. And so when we say, you know, one thing I told, um, I think it was I had um, engineer seven seven five on Dave Hunt. Hmm, Would you say Dave Hunt? Yeah, D- yeah, Scott Hunt. Scott, Scott, Scott yeah, 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 Scott. And we were talking about preparedness and everything, and it was our Christmas show. And I said, you know what? The funny thing is we could have all things prepared on Earth and go through a nuclear bomb and survive. But you just you prolong your earthly life is all you do. <laughs> you got to have 
treasures in heaven and trust in Jesus, that's how you truly get saved from a nuclear bomb and other things. So I'm going to close this out. Hey, Dave, Forrest, we've also talked, though, but we're also called to provide and protect for our families, too. Absolutely. Uh, you can look at Noah. You can, you can go through all, all through mm-hmm. the Old and New Testament. We're called to be good stewards of the time and the finances and, and the resources that God gives us. I think, especially yep. as fathers out there, you, you, you have a responsibility. If you know this is a real threat, if you know this is a real risk, I know you've got car insurance. I know you've got house insurance and probably fire insurance and flood insurance and dental insurance. And you have all these insurances for a rainy day. There's, you know, treat this the same way. And, you know, don't be that guy three weeks in, four weeks in with your wife and kids starving to death or your husband and kids. You know, I want to be gender, you know, free here. Like, like, don't be that person saying, man, I... I should have listened. You know, I, I didn't take this serious. You know, they're going to be looking to you for leadership and you got to make wise decisions. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and move. No, no, no. In fact, I mean, great. We, we usually close in prayer. Would you mind close us in prayer? I don't. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's pray guys. Hey, dear heavenly father, Lord, Oh, thank you so much for this great group of guys. It's been such a blessing to know them for the, the years. Lord, we pray for our president. We pray for our country. Uh, it looks so dark. It looks so bleak. But in perspective, Lord, uh, there have been many times in Christian history where, you know, Christians have been used as human torches in Nero's garden. You know, we are not there yet. We may get there yet. Uh, we just ask that you give us the strength uh, to do what needs to be done. Uh, in the natural, trust you for the supernatural and the things mm. that we cannot control. You are a sovereign God, Lord. Uh, we praise you and we thank you so much for the ability to live in such an amazing country, just an incredible country uh, where we don't go hungry, where we don't you know, go through the suffering that most of the third world does. Uh, we just we don't take that for granted. Uh, we are overwhelmingly blessed, overwhelmingly blessed in our lives today. Lord, help us to take these threats and the things that we talked about serious, to not stick our head in the sand and ignore the threats, uh, but also not to live in fear, Lord. We thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. And I just uh, want to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we thank you so much for being such a great and wonderful God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks, thanks for, for coming on with us. to the Prepping Academy podcast. Preppers unite at www.preppingacademy.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.